Welcome to the Shaping Spirit Podcast. My name is Cyril Orr. And my name is Brian Roig. We're just a couple of California guys, collected a bunch of academic degrees, studying spirituality all over the world, bringing it right back here to you for all of us to relish and digest together in the form of the most non-sectarian podcast in the world. So, Cyril, share with us, what is the topic of the day? The topic of the day is the afterlife and why it's important to believe in it. Ooh. Well, that sounds exciting. (laughs) The afterlife. That has so many connotations and so many questions, right? I mean, everybody has their own uh, interpretation of the afterlife. There's so many questions about the afterlife. I think in so many different traditions, religious traditions, there's people that doubt if there is an afterlife, right? In certain, say, um, non-personal religious or spiritual traditions. So how would you like to unravel this? I mean, this is a pretty chunky topic. So how do we slice this up a bit? I think later on, Towards the end of our conversation, we should talk about the, you know, the BFD. You know, when I went to the University of California, uh, I was doing some graduate work at, at, at UC Riverside. There was, there was this professor who taught contemporary Judaism. And he's, he was from, you know, he had graduated from Yale. And he was talking about one professor he had there who always, who always like, emphasized the BFD. You, know, <laughs> you spend hours weeks, months studying a topic yeah. and then it's like, okay, well, what's the BFD? What's the big beep deal, right? What's yeah. the big deal? What's the big F deal? Mm-hmm. So I think we should talk about that towards the end, but perhaps we should um, define terms right now. Like, what do we mean by afterlife? And I would posit the definition of, you know, the existence of a conscious self, right? Personal sur- or personal survival. That's another way it's termed in academic circles. Personal survival after the, you know, personal survival. In other words, survival of the physical death. In other words, mm-hmm. a conscious experience that, tr- that, you know, I don't want to use a spiritually charged word like transcends, but that, that survives the clinical death of the body. In other words, when there's a flat line, you know, there's no more brain activity, there's no more heart beating, there's nothing going on. You're clinically dead personal existence continues to exist beyond, you know, the physical death. Okay. And so what is that ex- existence? What is that experience? That's what I would call, you know, the afterlife. Can I, can I add Do something like to that? No. Uh, <laughs> so here, here's what I'd add to that uh, in terms of uh, more qualitative, or I should say further qualitative differentiation. What we're talking about is a separation between material and spiritual existence. So we've discussed in previous uh, events and podcasts that we are spiritual beings having a material experience. That's what we believe, right? This is what we believe. And I would venture to say pretty much every spiritual religious tradition out there would agree with us, right? Nobody says this is the spiritual world. So what we are defining as, let's say, just let's just take Earth. Never mind the rest of the galaxy, universe, et cetera, dimensions. Let's just look at the physical Earth, our material existence and interaction on the physical Earth. 
and what is beyond that. So if we are spiritual beings, there has to be some type of other location, right? Almost like, you know, how we talk about different dimensions. So there has to be maybe another location that is not... Oh, you're talking geography here. Yeah. So let's just look at... Spiritual geography. Spiritual geography that is not bound to this planet or bound to the material senses or our material existence. So in the East, I know there's a a very um, beautiful explanation of material versus spiritual existence in the East that talks about the material world makes up about 25% of what we know. The spiritual world is about 75% of existence, if you think about that. So what we see from material conception, even when you look at universes upon universes, according to uh, you know, Eastern traditions, is that's a fraction, a small, small fraction of what's really out there. So the spiritual world is much bigger. And so when we're talking about the afterlife, it's really like our real life, right? It's like going beyond the virtual reality. If we're putting virtual reality glasses on or if we're playing a video game on Nintendo or Xbox or something and we're absorbed in that game and we think that that's our reality when we forget that we're actually sitting there with a controller in our hand playing the game, <laughs> right? So, yeah, the afterlife is so interesting um, because people, I think there's a lot of fear when it's discussed. Wouldn't you say? There's fear and there's also a lot of prejudice and a lot of uh, propaganda, I would mm. say. Yeah. There's a lot of propaganda in the media in the scientific community in the you know academy in general um especially especially in the secular you know government funded universities in in north america um there's this you know underlying what i would call you know a physic physicalist paradigm that's just to- totally blasted again through the media through through educational venues that really influences people to believe that uh, they are their bodies, you know, they are their physical bodies, and that again, when when death, you know, that they, there is no that consciousness is is not is, is not is not a parallel, you know, metaphysical phenomena that's parallel to their existence in this world, right? Consciousness is just as much a product of matter as everything else in this world. And that, yeah, when, when physical death comes, you know, everything stops, boom, you know, full stop, right? So I don't know so much as fear, or maybe fear is a motivating factor, but, uh, you know, for, for there being this sort of unbalanced, biased propaganda against belief in, you know, the afterworld, or like, for example, you know, it just, it's taking, it's just taking decades and decades for the for the academic machine, so to speak, to start to perhaps, you know, uh, acknowledge that um, studies on, for example, children who claim to remember their past lives or, you know, out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. um, is, is, is seriously worth studying, you know, um, for, for decades, you know. Like, for example, you know this guy called, um, uh, what was the guy, the main guy who spearheaded the study on children who claim to remember their past lives? I know we've talked about it before, but the, the name is I, Ian, slipping me. Ian Stevenson? Sounds, it sounds about right. 
so so this dude I know there was uh, two was, there were two of them. I think there's a guy called Tucker who took over after he died. Yeah, yeah. They're based out at, at the University of of, uh, of Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to note that he, um, you know, was the head of the psychiatry department or psychology department mm-hmm. at the University of California. So the dude was like, you know, totally qualified, the head of the department. And his expertise was specifically, you know, children who claim to, you know, studies on children who claim to remember their past lives, right? And you know what, what his main uh, complaint was mm-hmm. when he retired? What's that? His main complaint was that he was lamenting that his peers in the academic, uh, in the academy, didn't take him seriously enough, in wow. spite of what he would consider, you know, really hardcore. I mean, if you read his books, they're really boring because he took so much effort to make <laughs> it, you know, you tried to make it exactly like, you know, according to scientific standards of, of, of you know, testing, testing you know, cases with, with all sorts of, of strict, uh, para, you know, parameters, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And in spite of having a few of his works, you know, um, in, you know, published in peer-reviewed journals, his point was like, wow, overall, he was like super disappointed, you know, super yeah. disappointed. So wh- what, what I was going to... What do you think about the fear? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I, I was just going to kind of um, expand on that. So I look at it in, in, in two formats. Number one, there's that fear of expressing uh, your spiritual beliefs when we are pounded these days by this very heavy atheistic material science-y ideology that says there's nothing beyond this material existence. And so people are afraid to express themselves or afraid to discuss spiritual life in the afterlife. That's part one. Part two, and I'm going to frame this from a Western perspective and kind of give my own little experience, <laughs> is fear, and for anybody who grew up in particular Western traditions, i.e. say like a, a Christian background or I'll, I'll use reference for myself, a Catholic background, fear of going to hell or purgatory. <laughs> you know, there's there's that afterlife, the concept of, well, if the afterlife, there's a couple of options here. Either you go to hell, you go to purgatory, or you go to heaven if you were good, right? And it kind of reminds me of, well, what's Santa bringing you for Christmas? You're either going to get presents or a lump of coal, depending on your behavior, right? And so quick, quick story. <laughs> I just think this is funny. When I was a kid, so my grandmother... Uh, was a, what's called a santera. So in, in our Cuban tradition, it's kind of a mix of, it's like Cuban voodoo, okay? So it's this Catholicism mixed with this African indigenous um, religions. So she was very, very intense lady. There's glasses of water behind the couches to cleanse for good spirits, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Anyways, at night... She would recite something, for those of you who don't know, you can look it up. Either way, it's kind of irrelevant. Something called the Stations of the Cross. So this is what she would tell me. And it's this big story of everything that happened to Jesus along his way to uh, his crucifixion. (laughs) And she was so dramatic in how she would explain this story every night. And she'd be crying and acting it out. It scared 
the hell out of me, no pun intended, to the point that I thought at some point Jesus was going to bust through my window and kidnap me. That's how afraid I was of what the afterlife was going to be because of how it was mm. presented to me as a kid. So are you saying that there's, because of this fear of, of you know, potential suffering after death, a lot of people like, kind of like don't want to deal with the topic and yeah. kind of make a make a abstraction of it? Absolutely. I, 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 but let me I think let me you ask the you this. On the head. But let me ask you this though: mm -hmm. Is that because you know we do tend to stereotype? You know, yeah, you burn forever, and you see, you know, like fanatic evangelical, you know, college preachers, you know, mm -hmm. or you know, who are like, repent, repent, you know, because <laughs> the day of judgment is coming, and so on. So aside from those stereotypes, and yeah. yeah, I guess the disservice to the educated, you know, community of the world that <laughs> you know, perhaps well-intending but not too smart fanatics and bigots are, are doing mm -hmm. still though is there not and i'm asking you is there is there not a benefit a motivating factor for belief in the afterlife if the possibility as described you know well or not by spiritual authorities scripture and so on of of potential suffering after death based on you know the the, the good or bad deeds that we perform in this life mm -hmm. isn't that an actually positive thing For, for someone to, you know, take, one, take his or her spiritual life seriously because of the possible, you know, ramifications of a, of a, of a spiritual, of a, of a non-spiritual life? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, it's a very salient point on your end. And to take that one step further, I think, let's pretend I'm a, an agnostic, which I'm not. We are both, you know, are deeply rooted in our religious spiritual tradition that we follow but if i was an agnostic the first thing i think is well let me hedge my bet here is it better to believe in something beyond this or is it better to believe in All nothing right. and then i get screwed you, at the end <laughs> you remind me of, of you remind me of pascal's wager you know it's just like it, it is what it is but that that's how you got to look at it i think you remind me of pascal's wager right doesn't it make sense Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You know Pascal, Pascal's wager? Yes, yes. Yeah, you remind me of Pascal's wager. Maybe yeah. you can explain to, to our listeners Pascal's wager. So basically, in a nutshell, what it is, this is like if you have, if you have two odds or two situations, you kind of hedge towards the one, even if you don't necessarily believe something, you hedge towards the one that would put you in a better position or situation if you did believe or follow it. Right. Th that's what, it's just like the whole concept of ag agnosticism. It's just like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it because why would you not lean towards, yes, there's an afterlife. Yes, you know, there's a spiritual existence that's beyond this material existence when that is infinitely better than whatever material suffering or mundaneness that you have as your current existence. Right. Let me let me expand on it. Pascal basically, Blaise Pascal, this dude, this thinker from France, he said, okay, there's four options, right? Option A, there is a God, and I believe in him. And so that implies, you know, an afterlife where you live forever, happy ever after with God, or in this, you know, in some in some heaven, right? Yeah. Like like you say, like you say, like a way 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 better situation than we have here. 
you know, ending with, with death and nothing after. So, okay, there's a God, I believe in him. There's a God, I don't believe in him. There's no God, I believe in him. There's no God, I don't believe in him. And so he concluded out of the four options, like you say, I better hedge my bet on the existence of God. Exactly. I, you know, no matter, right? Because if there's, <laughs> there is a God and I, and I don't believe in him, I'm screwed. Yeah. I'm screwed because I missed out on heaven. I missed out on eternal life, yeah. eternal bliss, you know, unending happiness. There is no God and I believed in him. Hey, I didn't lose really because studies show that people who have a spiritual lifestyle, who have, who have spiritual beliefs, be they, you know, totally not corresponding to reality, still tend to live more satisfied, more happy, less stressful lives, mm -hmm. right? From a sociological and psychological perspective. Like studies have proved that. Yeah. That people who are like religious tend to be happier. Mm -hmm. and, and then, hey, there is a God uh, and you, you, you believed in him. Oh, no, there is no, there is no God and you didn't believe in him. Okay, nothing lost, nothing gained. Yeah. But then, then if there is a God and you believe in him, whoa, jackpot, yeah. like big time, right? A, the way so I that, look at it is uh, to, to really, if you're even agnostic, and obviously when we're talking here with our, and sharing with our listeners here on Shaping Spirit Podcast, we're all in the same boat that we believe in something greater than ourselves. We may have different definitions of what the divine is, what that looks like, what that feels like, what that place is. However, we're all in that modality of we've gone beyond agnosticism. I, it's hard for me to comprehend how somebody who's agnostic could go around and lead their lives without going, you know what? Let's just err on the side of caution. What do I have? To, what do you have to lose to be, you know, engaged on the spiritual path even just a little bit? So well, let me ask lose? you then, then why? Why? Why do people do that? What's, what's your explanation? Why do people with all their rational sense and intelligence would rather err, you know, side on the, or what is it to err on the side of not caution, but rather risk, mm -hmm. right? Then on the side of caution, like, why is it, what, what makes a person in spite of, for example, the logic of, of Pascal's wager, Why would a person still think like, you know what, I'm not sure, but I'd rather not believe. I'd rather not have a spiritual lifestyle. I, I think that's actually a very simple answer. And it comes down to, you, you know, sometimes you look at children and they, why are they doing stuff when they know it's wrong or they know there's a consequence, you know, or they sneak it. Why do kids sneak things? Because they don't want to be accountable. And I think ultimately mm, accountability, accountability is, is number one from an agnostics perspective, you know, it's keep, keep speaking. I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to switch off the, the AC in this room so you guys can hear sure. it better. Yeah, no worries. But I, I'm, I'm hearing you. Okay. So basically what ends up happening is there's people that don't want to be held accountable for their actions, you know, number one. So if they think that there's something greater than themselves, then they have to answer for their actions <laughs> and be Ooh. a little bit more conscious of, of how they are responsible in the world. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, let's take it to the other side where somebody's just a complete materialist, a complete atheist. Their point of view is there's nothing greater than themselves. They are the master of their own domain. They mm. are in charge of everything they see and survey. They, everything else is by chance. And you know what? They can do whatever that whatever they want with ultimately no consequence. So are you saying that it I think this is what I think you're saying, and I think we agree that it takes 
a certain humility. It takes a certain humility. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you're the right? winner. Yep. It takes... It takes humility. Yeah. Even if you believe, you know, what does big if you believe if you're a theist, right? And you believe in actually in, in a in a personal God, like right, like a, a, fa a divine father figure, right? Father that are in heaven, you know, or or the Godhead as in, in the in the monotheistic tradition of India, or you know, Judea Judaism, which is also theistic or Islam. So what to speak of that, but even like if you accept the idea that okay, we're all part of some divine energy, you know. Even then, it takes it takes humility, mm -hmm. because, like you say, you're not then you're not alone. Like there is something beyond out there that's greater than you, and it's like, yeah. oh my God, if it's greater than me, then like I'm not the top, I'm not the center of the universe. <laughs> and then there's so much more to think about, right? Then it's just and like then so not only do you have to about. be accountable, then you're thinking, well, if there's this big supreme being out there, are they watching me at all times? Did they just see mm -hmm. me? You know write that nasty text message about this coworker? Did they just right. see me cheat or steal or do this? Am I going to get a reaction? Like yes. You know, notion, I, yes. Think, I think there's a, a pretty common notion of karma, right? I think that's a, a, a pretty common notion that everybody knows about, right? Yeah. The notion of karma or action-reaction principle. Action, reaction, like you say, someone, yeah. am I going to get a reaction for stealing or for, for raping or for, for being dishonest? Or, yeah. So I think there's, it's, it's all kind of wrapped up into like, well, I don't, you know, from a certain perspective, right? Let's go from one extreme to the other. Well, I don't want anybody holding me accountable for my actions, or I don't want anybody looking over me. I don't want anybody watching me. I don't want to answer for my behavior. Then there's to the other extreme, I think, where it's just like, and this is something I take exception with, and we've kind of discussed this a little bit, where somebody's completely immersed in some type of fanatical faith, and they say, no matter what I do, I'm already saved because I believe in X, Y, Z. So because I took the oath of allegiance, and I, I believe in this particular deity or this particular divine representation, no matter what I say or do, I've already been saved, and I'm earmarked for a condominium in heaven next to my favorite... Um, you know, relative or pet or something. So you have that extreme as well. But Ultimately, hey, at least yeah. we could say there's faith in the divine. That's that's pretty laudable, man. It is. But if you're using that faith in the divine to abuse others and you're taking yeah, it out of context, like I was saying, to where you think you can do no wrong because you already pledged your allegiance to you know, a particular church or, you know, religious figure, I'd seriously take a re-examine re that, take another look and go, is this rational? Because, you know, we have two states of being, right? You have your rational, you have your irrational, but then let's go a third. And where we, when we get into the spiritual side of things, the transrational. So going beyond mundane rationality and taking things into spiritual logic. And so when we take things into spiritual logic, the concept and the discussion of the afterlife should be very normal. It should be a very easy discussion where it's not filled with anxiety or fear or trepidation or, oh my God, you know, I, I, I took the last donut out of the donut box. Am I going to purgatory for that? <laughs> How many lifetimes of hell am I going to have? Because I, you know, 
accidentally, you know, ran over my neighbor's cat. You know, these are the type of things where we kind of have to kind of settle a little bit and then be able to have discussions and explore the afterlife, which is the spiritual world. So when we really unravel what is the afterlife, the afterlife is the spiritual world. It's not where we exist here. Let's talk about that and let's conclude with this question, the Mm -hmm. BFD. Yeah. You know, because the title of this episode is, you know, why it's important to believe Mm -hmm. in the afterlife, whatever it may be, you know. So what's the big FD? Like, why should, you know, our listeners who are on the fence about, you know, whether there is life after death, whether there is or not some sort of divine, you know, existence beyond beyond this life mm-hmm. both for us and for you know if there is a god and so on why is it why is it important i think we saw you know the logic of it in terms of ble- of pascal's wager right like hey it's in your best interest to believe in god yeah. what other factors are there or reasons why what it's a big deal to believe in the afterlife i think one thing is you're you're going beyond the material senses when we look again, when we and what's the big what's the big deal about doing what's that? What's the big deal about ask. that? The material, everything material is temporary. Day by day, you see everything fading. You're aging. You look in the mirror. Look at your hands. Look, feel your body. This body is, as we talk about all the time, you are not your body. If you are listening to this podcast, if you say I I am trying to become a spiritual person, I believe in something bigger than myself. Guess what? You're individual identity is not attached to this particular vehicle that you are in outside of the fact that you're currently driving the vehicle at some point you're so you're saying that vehicle. if you believe so you're saying that if you believe in the afterlife you automatically believe that you are not this physical body and therefore you don't cry literally you don't you know you're not you don't lament you don't become sad at 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 literally the, the 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 visible gradual demise into ashes of your of your own body and, and bodies around you right yeah. is that what you're saying yeah you, you, i think it reduces that concept of lamentation and then it, it puts us in a in a more conceptual basis of let's celebrate the life let's find joy to everything right that's uh you know and i think in every cultural tradition around the world you know, when you say cheers, there's in different languages, there's when you raise a toast to something, right? You're clicking glasses together and there's some type of, of, of terminology that means to life, to celebration, to to the existence. But it's not to, you know, what color Gucci shoes are you wearing? It's to the spirit within, to the actual spiritual identity within that you see in common with others. And that continued existence beyond this material world. That's what, in you're my selling. opinion, really it means. Yeah. So you're, you're living a life where you're celebrating, based on your faith, you're, you're, you're celebrating and what you take for granted, namely the, the existence of, of the soul and of eternal life and, 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 and consciousness that never ends, that never gets killed or never extinguishes right? Yeah. You're and celebrating eternity. You're celebrating eternity. And, it, you know, it's amazing to me how many people take them, the human life form for granted. 
we, you know, look, regardless of what type of animal or creature it is, everybody kind of falls into these four categories of eating, sleeping, mating, defending. And there's an Eastern saying that says, when you have been given the human life, consider it a gift because now is the time to inquire. Who am I? What am I? Who is God? What is my relationship with God? Now what? And so we should be celebrating, number one, that we have this human form because we have the ability to consciously love, give and receive love in such a subtle and unique, beautiful way that it transcends the material body. It transcends beyond eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And we should take this opportunity to inquire. It's so important that we sit back and go, okay, you know, yes, okay, we're talking about this term, the afterlife. That's, I think a, a lot of times that can be an intimidating term because this is like, after, you mean after I'm going to be dead? No, you. from a spiritual perspective, you're not dead. You're just transitioning to a different existence. Either it's a different shell, a different vehicle materially, or you trans, you know, you move to that next step of, of transitioning into this, the spiritual world full time. <laughs> so that's where we need to graduate to. It's like, how do, how do we really kind of end up starting to define for ourselves on that spiritual train that we're on in whatever religious tradition you decide to follow, inquire from your pastor, your rabbi, your imam, your priest, whoever it is, inquire. How do I continue this spiritual train so I can tap into the life beyond material existence, right? Because it's so much greater. And every, every, I'm just going to use the word pastor because I think it's kind of more of a universal term. Every pastor, regardless of the religious tradition, is going to follow that same principle and say, yes, we have to celebrate and, and inquire and get rooted into going beyond the material existence so that we can tap into that electrical current of divinity. And that brings another point. If we, we see there is, there is a huge amount of testimony, mm-hmm. huge amount of testimony from human beings for, for centuries and centuries, if not millennia, crossing, you know, crossing through all the spiritual traditions. Mm-hmm that when someone believes in the afterlife and therefore as a result or as a concomitant factor has a spiritual practice in one's life and prays and reads scriptures and believe, believes that they are you know, getting some blessings and reciprocation from the divine or from themselves as being divine or from you know, a supreme father figure or mother figure and so on. There's this overwhelming testimony that their life is much more fulfilled and satisfied, right? Religious people, spiritual people across the globe, across spiritual tradition claim by the millions that, for example, you know, when, if this is just for example, but it, 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 it illustrates the point when, you know, they accepted Jesus in their life, right? Mm -hmm then they felt fulfilled and satisfied and fearless as opposed to before when they were, you know, whatever, unchurched or when they were godless, they were, you know, drug addicts or they felt, you know, they were depressed and so on. So there's this overwhelming evidence 
at least, no, let's, not, let's not say evidence. Well, but the evidence is testimonial. So there's this anecdotal evidence of just overwhelming testimonies in all walks of life, or in all countries, all continents, all spiritual traditions, that you are happier when you believe in the divine, when you believe in the afterlife. So if you're hearing this, just to, 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 to wrap up, you know, if you're on the fence about the spiritual world, about God, the divine, you as, you know, living after you, you die physically, you have all reasons, you have all reasons to, to well, to do what Pascal did, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, you have all the reason to believe in the divine, to believe in the afterlife. You can only gain. You, you will not lose anything. It's all upside. By believing. All upside. <laughs> all upside. Yeah. And how yeah. many things can you really say that about in life, right? I mean, right. imagine if somebody said to you, and this is a very crude example, but they said, hey, okay, you're going to bet on some games this weekend. It's all upside. You're just going to put in $1,000. I guarantee you, your worst case scenario is you get 100% of your money back. So your worst case scenario is that $1,000 you invested, you're going to get it all back. But if what I... if what it's true that all these teams are going to win, you're going to have a billion dollars by the end of the weekend. Who's going to say no to that? Right. <laughs> you know, again, crude example. But what we're talking about here from a spiritual perspective, we've talked about it before. Every little investment you make in your spiritual bank account never gets depleted. So why yeah. would you not invest? Start investing. Start investing now. Day by day, little by little. If the term afterlife scares you for whatever reason or intimidates you, just think your real life, your spiritual life, the spiritual world, which is much bigger, much broader, and much more fantastic and dynamic and fun than the material world can ever be. Because what it's, how it's described, again, I'll use Eastern, Eastern philosophy because I think it's the most clear with this point. The material world is a perverted reflection of spiritual reality. So it's like looking at a lake, a reflection in a pond or a lake from trees. You can kind of see the outline of the trees and you kind of see it, but it's all muddied and rippled and it's not the exact thing. The material world is a perverted reflection of actual spiritual life. So let's sit on that. Amen. <laughs> all right, everybody. So I think we can, uh, we can wrap this up and just... Uh, be convinced that we can, we can, you know, we, we have, it's, it's in our best interest that we should believe in the afterlife, we should believe that we're spiritual beings. We, you know, have this, this great rare opportunity, like, like, like you said about, about, you know, we have this human life, human experience that we have right now, which is so rare and so important. And, um, and we should just have faith that if we, if we live a spiritual sense, spiritually centered life, we will be as happy as we could possibly be in this life. And if there is an afterlife and so on, like as heaven or eternal bliss and so on, then we are really hitting the jackpot and we really made the right choice in this life. So, yeah. Right. So let's do it. Shaping spirit podcast at gmail.com. You guys know what to do. Shaping spirit podcast at gmail.com. Remember you are not your body. We, all we are not matter, but we matter. We all matter. Thank you all for listening. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.